Hi, and you're very welcome back to the Women's National League podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie. My name is Brefney Early, and we're once again joined by our co-host, Stephanie Roach, who abandoned us last week <laughs> for like the Champions League or something like that. Who's ever heard of that competition, Steph? Um, as always, congratulations on uh, smashing through another glass ceiling for women in the sport in this country the first woman to ever commentate or co-commentate on a champions league quarterfinal stage game yeah yeah no thanks very much i enjoyed it it's it's something that i've said several times i'm really happy to be given the opportunity i think it's great to see so many of the girls i think anya karen lisa fallon whoever does it they all do well and i think it's just about kind of getting people used to hearing that female voice and i think anyone who gets it takes the opportunity well and as i said i'm just happy to be to be one of those women who's been given the the opportunities by rte and and, and several other kind of broadcasting stations yeah and of course uh, not available last week not because there was a direct clash between the recording but because you're such a pro you uh, took extra time uh, for the whole day to research and weren't available last Tuesday so thank you very much to Maeve de Burke uh, herself a formidable former international footballer and women's national league advocate and player of course uh, thank you very much to Maeve for joining us last week and filling in for you but you are back with us and we're going to be talking about all things we might start with the biggest news of the weekend which is of course top of the table clash or at least the maybe top of the table clash between yourselves uh, in terms of the end of the season p mount united and shelburne 2-1 victory for yourselves out in PL, prl park you got to be happy with the results happy with the performance as well um i was a strange one i have to be honest um i think shells should be feel unfortunate maybe not to come away from the game with something if i'm totally honest um but look i think we grounded out i think mentally we were prepared for the battle and we didn't have as much possession as we would have liked but in fairness to Anya and Ellie the goals we got came at a very good time and we showed quality at times for those games and or for those goals and also the penalty unfortunately which was missed but I think we showed our quality at times in the games and at important times and and that won us the game in the end and I think defensively we were solid we worked really hard as a unit and Sometimes you have to ground out wins like that. Um, as a centre forward, sometimes it's not it's not enjoyable. You're just running around trying to make an impact as best you can. But I think, uh, look, we knew Shell's going to be a tough game. They're a good footballing team, and we'll we'll play them again over the course of the season. And we're just looking forward to the games. But it's it's great for us to be able to get off to the start we have. We played Wexford and Shell's two very tough games, and to come away with six points is is the best we could have hoped for. Yeah, not quite top of the table just yet because of goal difference and I suppose that game in hand uh, for that week you were idle. But uh, great start in terms of, I suppose, going forward, where do you go from here? Like Because it's a very tight uh, squad out there in Piedmont. We've spoken before about how there's been no new arrivals this season. Um, you must be delighted to still be kind of top dogs at this point. Yeah, I think the important thing at Piedmont is that everybody, we're a good team. Everyone works for each other. I think we... We spoke a few times about the, the different players that have come in. I think we didn't bring in players, but we had the likes of Dora Gorman, Tegan Ruddy. That these are two very, very good players who were just coming back from injury last season. So they've got a good preseason under their belt, and and they're two huge players to the squad. Like, and they probably haven't got the minutes that they really want. Dora hasn't got on at all yet, and for someone like that, of her quality not to be playing the team, it shows that the the competition and the quality that is there is is great to see. And I think even the young players that we brought in, I think. Um, 
Orla and Chloe have done excellent in pre-season games. They've been really good. So I'm looking forward to seeing them getting minutes and them being able to play in some of the games. I think, as I said before, the two toughest games we could have got at the start of the season came. And now I think it's a long season. There's going to be a lot of games and, and hopefully these players will be able to get the minutes to show what they're about. But as I said, it's what Piedmont is. The squad is, is very tight-knit. Everybody works hard for each other and I hope everybody enjoys it. You know, I think I can say that when I'm playing. I think sometimes if you're not getting games, it can be difficult. But I think a lot of the players, they know they're going to get time this season. James is very fair and looks after the squad. Every player is kind of equal. So I'm just I'm looking forward to seeing those players, as I say, get more minutes. But happy that we've got off to the start we have. And, and hopefully in the games coming up, there there will be more room for, for changing players and giving players more minutes. Yeah, a bit disappointing that uh, they're scheduled at the same time. Like there's five games all on at the same time across the men's and women's leagues on Saturday at six o'clock. So it makes it very difficult to watch it. I didn't see all the game. Uh, I only really saw the highlights, the goals from the game. But uh, the first one in particular impressed me. I thought um, the finish was a bit strange because of the, the nature of the save and the kind of the scramble to get the ball across the line. But the build-up was excellent. Good work from Ellie to you to Anya or maybe Ellie to Anya to you to Anya back and then back to Ellie again. It was just a really nicely worked move. Like kind of started with Karen Duggan winning a header in the middle of the pitch. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of, that's what was frustrating about the game because I feel like when we did play football, we we done it well. As I said, the, the goals were all good goals, or the two good goals and then the Peno as well was good build-up. But uh, it didn't happen enough. And that's what you like to do. We are a footballing team. We like to play. And I think at times in the big game, it's like we want to get the win and we do what it takes to get the win. But I think, as I said, the goals that we did score shows the quality that we do have and that kind of combination play is something that we like to try and do. And as I said, just glad that we could get the goals and, and get the win on the day. Yeah, you mentioned shells now, of course. Uh, unlucky, maybe, in your own estimation, which is big coming from a, an opponent who's just won the game. Um, <laughs> but you're saying that they probably deserve something out of the game. Uh, does it whet the appetite for those two more league clashes that come later in the year and potentially a cup uh, clash uh, to, uh, at some point, maybe depending on draws, obviously? Yeah, definitely. I think we know every game we play against Shells is going to be a tough game. I think both both teams like to play football. It's usually quite an open game where you see a lot of good players playing and getting on the ball. And, and that's kind of what I like to do. I like to play those games. I think any, any decent player wants to play in a game that's competitive and, and there's football being played, you know, free-flowing football. And I have to give credit to Shells. They were very good the other day. Um, as I said, I think we played the game quite well in terms of we stood firm. We didn't let them in. They had a goal disallowed um, that was offside. I think it was fairly offside. I, I haven't heard anybody complain that it wasn't. But uh, yeah, look, as I said, always a good game against Shells and, and, and credited them. They were very good at the weekend, but we're looking forward to improving our maybe our performance a little bit better because I think that, that can improve. But in terms of getting the results and getting the win, that's all that matters at the end of the day. Yeah, of course, you mentioned uh, goals and games, and there was plenty of them across the weekend, 20 in all. Uh, we'll talk about the first game of the weekend, maybe Bowes and Cork City, 3-all, an absolute humdinger of a clash here. A um, couple of little mistakes, but some brilliant pieces of individuality to to create chances and create goals. Um, a lovely little bicycle kick at really close range from uh, from Lauren to kind of, uh, for maybe the Cork's second goal, I think, uh, the order escapes me right now, but um, some really, really impressive moments. Uh, how did you get a chance to watch it back or or do you are you in game mode on a Saturday afternoon like that? I actually didn't get a chance to see Cork. I've seen the goals, I've seen all the goals uh, across social media, I've seen them, but I didn't get a chance to watch the game itself. But I thought, I knew it would be an appetising game. I thought it would be kind of 
uh, a tough game. I thought Cork would nick it. I'm not going to lie. I think Bowes have done well in terms of getting the results the last couple of games. Um, but as you say, some good bits of play for the goals. And, and to see six goals come in the game is always entertaining for anybody that does tune in to watch it. So, um, yeah, a good, a good kind of entertaining football for people to watch. Yeah, just for the record, the goals were Erica Burke after four minutes for Bohemians to open the score and a, a brace, a quick brace from Lauren Egbonlieu. Uh, 26 minutes and 32 minutes left them 2-1 up at the break. Uh, Aoife Robinson equalised on 69 minutes while Laura Shine a minute later on 70 put Cork ahead again. And finally, Chloe Darby stepped up uh, from the penalty spot, I think, uh, yeah. to to earn a, a draw uh, in that particular game. So, uh, Bowes, they'll be happy with their start to the season. Cork, um, a little bit, a bit disappointing maybe from what they would have expected? Yeah, I think so. And I think even personally from myself, I thought maybe they would have, as I said, I thought they would have got a result against Bowes. I think in terms of Bowes' fighting spirit, they're a good, good team. They're solid. They're organised well. But I thought maybe Cork would have that little bit of quality that would get them the win in that game. So all credit to Bose, they made it difficult for them. But I think if you were to ask a Cork player, maybe they'd be disappointed with their start so far. Yeah, conceding early and late is always a bad sign just when, in terms of organisation. Just when you're a little bit asleep at the end of a game or at the start of a game, just to concede two goals in, in those two periods is uh, is tough. Uh, DLR Waves, Galway Women's FC, we will be touching on that a little bit later with our one of our guests today, Jessica Gleason, who's going to be chatting to us about that. Uh, played at the same time as you. I'm guessing you probably much the same. You probably only got a chance to look at the highlights. Uh, Kate Mooney scored an early goal on 15 minutes and then unfortunately uh, was taken off uh, due to an injury which looks potentially like it could be quite serious so um i suppose everyone in the in the league hates seeing anybody uh, getting hurt and then having a situation like that so uh, hopefully she's on the mend sometime soon and we see her back on a pitch very shortly uh Galway women's fc rachel kearns hit an absolute belter of a header a uh, great ball in and then just just hit it absolutely inch perfect um straight out of the textbook and uh, give the goalkeeper no chance for dlr and then what can you say about the end it was just uh, messy and it was a, a little mistake moment of madness ball ends up on the back of the net uh, katie i'd uh, be delighted with that yeah no it's it's a good result for dlr yeah. so yeah it's a good result for uh for dlr and i think they'll be delighted i think obviously spoke to jess as well and i think they've they've been a team and maybe have have ground out good draws or maybe lost out in the last few minutes so i think it's it's nice to see them getting a little bit of luck and um, i think galway uh, Rachel Cairns has been excellent for them so far. I think the header, it's not even just about the header, it's the movement to get herself into the position to be able to get the header on target. It's a great delivery. And um, yeah, I think look, there's positives for both teams to take away. I think it's it's never nice to lose in the last minute for Galway. And obviously for DLR, it's, it's the light after kind of 90 minutes to get that late winner as well. Yeah, I think to be fair, I watched the game on Saturday and um, I, I thought all the goals came against the run of play. And I know that sounds kind of silly, but DLR scored when really they hadn't really been in the game. And then they were dominant when Galway equalized. And then the end of the game, Galway probably had shaded the the, the clash overall. I think if, if DLR honest, they'll probably agree with that. But um, Galway probably deserved more out of the game. And then just circumstances happened and uh, Katie Malone managed to stick that ball in the back of the net late on and uh, all three points staying in the UCD Bowl. Final game of the weekend. Um, one of those we probably don't want to dwell on too much. Uh, Ella Malloy on fantastic form. Treaty just maybe fell away after half an hour and just weren't able to compete at that level. 7-1 the final score. Um, but for a young side 
coming into the league because Treaty, let's be honest, they're only really around a, a year or two. Um, I think it's their third season in total. They've lost the likes of Mary Curtin. Um, Wexford have been there every season. They've been competitive virtually every single year. They've won the league. They've got some experienced campaigners on that side. Um, it's it's tough, though, for a, a young team like Treaty, 7-1 in the end. Yeah, I think, to be fair, the Treaty, they probably got Wexford at a bad time. I think they've come from, obviously, losing to ourselves and getting that draw against DLR, and they're obviously hungry to get off the mark and to, to score goals. And as you mentioned, Ella Malloy, fantastic young player scoring four goals in the game. And look, she's a, a nightmare for anybody to play against. And I think if you go down to early goals and then you have her running at you, it's a difficult thing to to put up with, you know. So in fairness to, to Treaty, I think, as I said, they got Wexford probably at the worst time they possibly could because I know Wexford, you know, those experienced players, they'll want to go into that game and, and really stamp it, their authority on it and, and get themselves off to to the start they wanted, you know, and, and to, we kind of seen that within the game with the goals they scored and and the amount of them, unfortunately, it, it was a bit of a battering for, for Treaty. Um, we spoke kind of a few times before the season started about maybe we wouldn't see as much of that. But again, you've got to put it down to, as I said, bits of brilliance from, from a very, very talented young player. Yeah, and of course, one of the goals that impressed me probably, my pick of the goals, and some of the goals were really, really good, but I really liked the the technique of Sinead Taylor. Uh, I don't know if you saw her goal at the weekend, but it was, she just, it, it almost reminded me of, of your own strike from years ago. Uh, just the way a little clip over the defender's leg and just powered it home and really didn't give the keeper any chance. And I think that was probably the one maybe that was for the second goal. And it just kind of, you could see the heads dropping a little bit treaty at that point. They'd got back into it haven't conceded the first one sloppily enough. And I think they've probably not helped themselves at the back uh, a few times this year with some of the defending. Um, they've, they try to play it out, and I admire that. But I don't know if they have the players to pull that off. I know we've talked about that before in the in the, the programme. Not to just... just uh, not to say anything about the players they have. They're trying They're they're trying to play, and I really, really like yeah, to see teams doing that. It's, it's something that's coming. It's, it's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. And you got to... I think we spoke about it before. You have to admire coaches who are trying to believe in their players and trying to give them that confidence to play. But I do think at times, um, I've seen it when we play for Piedmont against certain teams, you're thinking, why are they trying to do this? Like we're, we're winning it every time, you know, especially teams who try to play out from the back and stuff. But again, it's it's a work in motion. It's something, or a work in progress, should I say. They're trying to get it kind of, trying to get the right side of play going. And as you say, maybe the players that are there at the moment that haven't haven't reached the level just yet, but I'm sure the coaching staff maybe believe that they will in the next couple of seasons. And I think it's important that they do keep on trying to do the right things for themselves. Yeah, I think you also learn more in defeat than you do in victory as well. So uh, maybe it, it's it's not that bad to get a bit of a shock every every now and again. You don't want to be doing it every week, but every now and again. Uh, that's the, the fixtures or the, the results of the weekend and the, the games that were played over the last couple of days. Um, a busy weekend next week. We'll talk about the fixtures in a little while, but first maybe let's have a chat with some of our guests. And We've got two great interviews coming up for you right now. Uh, the first one is DLR centre-back. Jess Gleeson is going to be talking to us about the game at the weekend, her move from Shells, and how the season has gone for them so far. After that, we'll catch up with Northern Ireland international Julie Nelson. I know not technically a Women's National League player, but we just wanted to have a chat with her about Northern Ireland's fantastic achievement in recent weeks at qualifying for the European Championships and maybe uh, what they're doing that we might be able to learn from as a footballing country that our girls can maybe take inspiration from and say, well, if they can do it, why can't we? And maybe we might be seeing ourselves at the World Cup finals in not that far down the road. Uh, Steph, let's have a chat with Jess.
Now, over the weekend in the UCD Bowl, we saw a very entertaining game, end-to-end, -end, lots of talking points, some great goals as well, and finished with a good goal-mouth scramble, maybe a little bit of a defensive mix-up as well. We're joined by UCD defender, I said UCD, DLR Waves defender, I better get that right, uh, Jess Gleason. <laughs> I'm too old for this, Jess. Uh, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Obviously, your first season uh, with DLR Waves, uh, how's it been for you so far this year? Yeah, it's been brilliant. Um, it's been a breath of fresh air, to be honest. Um, I just, I kind of fell out of love with the game over the past couple of seasons. And I suppose I wasn't really going to go back. And then Green gave me a shout and went through everything with me that they had in their plans. And I could see that what it was developing over the past couple of years. And since I went in from day one, it's been, it's been unreal. Like I've enjoyed every second of it. And now that the season has started, it's just... It's so much more enjoyable, to be honest. Yeah, we've talked about DLR quite a bit on the show, and obviously they're close to me, so that's why I kind of pushed them a little bit. But we've played against this as well, and I just think I, I spoke to Brefan on this as well about how, as a team, you all just seem really close. You seem like you want to work hard for each other, and like you said, you fell out of love with the game. Like, was what was your reason for leaving Chelsea? Was it just just didn't want to play anymore, or were you planning on kind of maybe getting back in, or was it just? just didn't work because I feel like since you've gone there like it's a different environment altogether and I feel like you just look like you're so much more happier if that makes sense yeah so no. um I suppose last season with Shells it was kind of a thing where I was kind of I was trying hard but wasn't getting rewarded kind of thing and it wasn't to do with any any other player or anything it was just management selection and stuff like that and I totally respect all that and I suppose towards the end it was kind of a thing where I was kind of him and Horn kind of over the past couple of years whether to go back clean GAA or what not to do and then I kind of had made my mind up at the end of last season that I wasn't going to continue playing soccer and that GAA was going to be um what I was going to do this year to be honest um and then I suppose as I said when Green gave me the show it was kind of a a wake up call to stay in soccer um and I'm glad that I did because as you said I am I'm much more happy in myself and I am really enjoying it now um more than I ever have to be honest and it's just nice to be able to turn up and enjoy it and not have to not have to wait the word on your shoulder I suppose yeah in terms, in terms of the I suppose the, the options did the fact that there is no GA at the moment make a difference in your decision or was was that just kind of coincidental it was just coincidental to be honest um it was kind of a thing of I kind of left, I gave it a couple of days to think about it. And the more I thought about it, I suppose I wanted to give it one last chance and not just completely leave it. Um, and I suppose it worked out well in that sense, you know, kind of way. Let's talk about the game on, on Saturday. Obviously, you played a, a fairly a decent Galway side who've had a decent start to the season. Um, they had up to that point been unbeaten. They'd one win, one draw from the open two games. And you'd come in without a victory. You got a great start. Well, talk us through the game from your point of view uh, in terms of, of how it panned out. Um, I suppose we started off we started off well. Um and then it be kind of in the middle of the pitch it kind of got compact and it was a lot of a battle, more of a battle than anything else. Um and both teams kind of struggled to get the ball down and to play their game and stuff. Um and I suppose our our goal came in about fifteen minutes. Um and it was kind of came at the right time because it kind of settled us a little. Um, and then obviously we lost Kate Mooney um, to an injury, which kind of, it kind of threw us a little. Um, and Galway kind of came at us and kind of gained a bit of momentum, but we held them out there um, until halftime. We went in, we re, re, 
sort of for rejigged it at halftime or whatever and came out in the second half and then yeah, it was another battle in the second half. They obviously scored and then obviously as you said, we got that last last couple of minutes in the goal and uh yeah, it was it was unreal to get the win after a good battle. Um I suppose over the last couple of years, them kind of games I suppose wouldn't have DLR wouldn't have won the game. It kind of probably would have been a draw or Galway would have went on to push on, but I suppose it shows the resilience now that's in the squad um as a whole and even the guards that came on off the bench, they put in a, a great shift and it showed towards the end that we got the three points. Yeah, I think that's something that we spoke about as well before the start of the season. I think with the LOR last season, they kind of they made it difficult for everybody to play in games. What I personally was thinking where the goals were going to come from. Obviously, you've mentioned unfortunately she's come off injured. Like, do you think it's more of a putting the team there that they can actually go and win games that you're actually going attacking and, and the goals are coming? Or do you just think it's just that team needed time to gel and now it's kind of coming together with self coming in, Aaron's coming in the back a little bit more of a a winning mentality to say like you've come from winning titles at Wexford you've been at Shells where you're competing you think that's kind of helping the team this season in terms of actually going and getting the wins and, and not just kind of battling out and, and getting the draws as you said yeah I think it's a mixture of both I think um like you could see towards the end of last year like our DLR they were pushing um teams till the end and um, like they pushed themselves in Piedmont they pushed us at Shells, pushed themselves in Piedmont and pushed us at Shells um in games and I suppose then with myself and Neve coming in in the back line obviously we have Louise to come in as well when she's recovered from her injury and then the girls up top then are really they're getting their confidence um they're scoring goals we scored a good few goals in pre-season so I suppose it's all coming together and the puzzle pieces are kind of fitting together um and it's all starting to to slowly build one of those pieces I suppose was Kate Mooney on Saturday, we've already talked about was the impact she made straight away in terms of the goal she got. Um, disappointing to lose her to injury. I know it, it's not looking great, but we don't have a, a any firm um, diagnosis on what's wrong with her. But she, she could be out for a little while. How much of an impact is that going to have on the team? Um, yeah, look, it'll, it'll have an impact. But I suppose the girls, like we have Carla there, we have Katie Malone, we have Avril, we have Jane, we have... We've Kerry, we've Shauna, like they're all goal scorers. Catherine's goal scorer. Like we have, we have goal scorers there, and the confidence is there. Um, and I suppose hopefully it's not going to be a long term thing with Kate, um, and only a couple of weeks or whatever. But there is girls there that will score goals as well. Um, and like, it's it's nice to see that there is other girls there that can come in to score goals. Like Kate Malone coming in the weekend scoring the winner. That's a, a massive boost for her confidence. Um. And then obviously we have Carla then to come back in um, over the next couple of weeks as well. It's up to other players to step in now, isn't it? I think it's a good chance for other Absolutely. players. Absolutely. feel like yeah, that's yeah. good. Obviously this weekend you play uh, against Cork, long journey down to Turner's Cross. Um, let's talk about the facilities because obviously there's been a lot of talk about Cork being in Turner's Cross this year. It's not exactly new to the league. Uh, plenty of teams have been playing in, I suppose, the equivalent of, of what their boys' teams and men's teams are playing in. Uh, but how much better is it to be having that kind of week in, week out, you're playing in decent stadiums, decent facilities, decent changing rooms for the most part, um, and just to, I suppose, the, the standard across the league is just risen in that respect? Yeah, it just brings that kind of um, professional aspect to it. Um, to see that we're seen as the same level as the men in terms of that we can play in the same like grounds as them. And we're treated, like the fact that um, SSE or Tracy have come in and taken the, the sponsorship of the league is massive this season. You can see it then like with all the games being streamed and the promotion that's been given this season has been like head and shoulders above 
what we could ever ask for. And it's just going to keep growing, um, especially with, with, obviously, as you said, like the facilities that we get to play in and the way that people can actually see our games now. Even though the fans can't be in the stadiums, they can still watch our games every week, which is great. For both of you, I suppose, because you've both been around the game, not necessarily the league in terms of stuff you've been out of the country, but you've both been around, you've been there from the start, you've seen it develop over the years. How much of a difference does it make to have that kind of press coverage, to have even podcasts like this? I know there's a few other people uh, doing similar um, in terms of covering the league, because at the very, very start, there was little to none uh, in terms of coverage, we did a tiny bit. I was involved with Dublin City FM. We had 10, 15 minutes once a week, and it was whoever you could get on the phone. It was really ad hoc. But now it's just a bit more structured and a probably better quality stuff across the board. Yeah, I suppose I'll jump in there. I think the biggest thing for me is that more people are aware of it. I think that's more important than anything. I think with the likes of electricity coming on board and the stream and the live streaming of the games, I think even the fact that no one's able to go and watch football is kind of going to help the women's game because I feel like people will watch games because they're on because they've nothing else to do. And I'm, I'm all for that if it means they're going to get into it and they actually watch it because I think the biggest part for me is the ignorance around women's football. People don't watch it and just presume it's not good. So now they have the opportunity to actually watch the streams and see the games. And I think that will definitely help get more viewers. And, and hopefully when people are allowed back into the games to watch them, that will bring more fans as well, you know. But for me, I think the worry is is that we just need to really work on making it sustainable because I've been in the league. There's been so many different sponsors over the years. I think last year they, they struggled to get a sponsor. It ended up being Barrettstown, a charity. So for me, I think it just needs to be look to the future. Don't just do it year by year and hope for the best and see what happens. I think with electricity coming in, it's huge. And um, keeping them, I think, is the, is the most important thing. But it has to be sustainable for any business who comes in to sponsor it. And, there needs to be more preparation for the future and, and trying to make it better every year because that's what we as players want. That's a, the management within the in the clubs, within the league want as well. So so hopefully with the way things are going now, it continues to progress and doesn't kind of just fade away in the next couple of seasons. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> in there, you know what it's all about, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like in terms of the, the challenges that lie ahead of all the teams, What's the next thing you'd like to see the league or the FAI or the clubs take on and really push? Because I think LOI TV has been a huge addition to the game. Even just being able to sit in Leitrim here where I am and, and watch every game, either live or back, it's a phenomenal feature. But what would be the next thing you'd like to see them move, increase? Maybe, Jess, if you want to maybe tell us, if, is there anything you think is missing from the league at this point that it needs to have? Um, I suppose possibly maybe... If we could get some games, maybe even once or twice a month, even put on like RT, um, like they have the Friday night games for the lads. Like if they have maybe one one game a month, even, um, on Saturday for our games, I think that would just show that there is, there is um, there is potential there, um, and just showcase that the women's game is just as good as the men's game, if not better. Sometimes to be honest with you, um, like the skill in the game is unreal, like. The goals that are being scored in this league, even just the start of this league, they're unbelievable. Even the goals, some of the goals of the weekend, they're just it just shows that there is so much potential in it. And if it's broadcast and it's showed properly, then it can just keep growing in that sense. So I think maybe potentially getting games maybe one or as I said, once or twice a month live would help it as well, maybe, possibly. Yeah, I think that's a great point, and I think it's something. I remember a couple of years ago speaking to someone. I remember obviously it isn't on as much as um, Monday Night Football. MNS was on at the time with the men's, and and I was discussing this someone, and I thought like, was it no one ever do it with the women's national league? And I think 
the biggest thing for for RTE or TV companies coming in, I think, is that they have to have the facility to be able to use it. And I think us being able to play in better facilities is definitely going to kind of set us on the right track for that. Jess, bring it back to DLR because you're here to step on a leash. So she doesn't go on a tangent. <laughs> no. uh, and I'm, I'm not innocent myself. Uh, in terms of DLR, obviously, uh, we talked about the, the, the first half of the game last week, but the finish was probably what most people are talking about. 15 okay. minutes ago, you're 1 0 up, you're at home. Um, against a team more or less at the same level as you from last season, at least, you'd expect to close it out. Disappointing to concede the goal, despite, I have to say, it was an excellent goal across the, the free kick in, and the header was as good as I've seen on a ladies' football pitch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, Rachel, Rachel Carnes, she obviously she played in the league a couple of years ago, and now she's back, and like she's stronger than ever, to be honest. Um, she's one of the strongest players I've ever come up against. Um, and her header, she just timed her jump. Her everything was just perfect. She couldn't have got it more perfect if she tried. And um, I suppose we were we were disappointed to can obviously concede the free kick, um, in the area that we did. Um, and obviously at the time of the game when we were, to be fair, we were defending really well. We we'd held them out really well, and then obviously it happened that they scored or whatever. But I thought our resilience after we scored to keep going and keep pushing to get the the second goal. Um, it just shows that that fight is is there now in the squad and the belief that we can actually go and we can turn like a draw into a win now is it is starting to build and um, the fact that we got it in the, pretty much the last couple of minutes is it just shows that we'll fight till the end for each other and we'll get we'll get our awards. So was that bit sweet to get the last minute winner as well? Isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. it's all that better. Yeah. In terms of the manner of it, though, I suppose it's never nice to see any player, um, I suppose, make a mistake that cost their team a, a goal or, or a draw. In this case, um, you gotta you gotta feel for the the goalkeeper for Galway, or or do you? Do you just say no? Do you know we profited our points in the bag? Look, you can look at it from both sides. I suppose from Galway's side, you'd be like, oh, look, it's it's bad. It's 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 not bad. It's not bad. It's it's lousy on her that it happened in such the way that it happened that she can see it from it. But from our point of view, we're delighted. Do you know what I mean? Like we got the win, we got the three points, and um, I suppose if Katie wasn't in the position that she was in, and the ball wasn't it did the ball wasn't put in the way it was put in, the keeper kind of comes, she collects it, and then she goes. But the way I, the way Katie put the pressure on, it kind of it kind of shook her a bit, I think, and she she dropped it. So. I suppose you have to give credit to Kate Malone for the pressure she put on her and the ball in from Aoife as well was unbelievable. Yeah, I'm all for giving the striker the benefit of the doubt. Don't be blaming the keeper, just give the striker all the, all the credit. <laughs> in terms of the league table, though, it does mean you're up and running. First win, um, albeit with one game less played than most of the teams in there. In fact, both of your sides, Piemont and DLR, mm -hmm. Uh, both only played two games so far. Uh, the league's beginning to take a little bit of shape, maybe along semi-traditional lines, top three, Shells, Piedmont, Waterford. Uh, and then there's another kind of group, even though they're on level points, probably, to be fair, based on results on who they've played so far, uh, Bowles, yourselves, and Galway. Um, Cork, again, only low one defeat so far in three games. Do we think maybe that that could be a group of three or four that are going to compete for that fourth or maybe even third place in the table? Um, I suppose it's over the years it's been a, a case of if you beat the teams around you in the league it gives you that better chance of getting to where you want to be and I suppose um, we set ourselves a goal at the start of the season like to, to push and to get to, to get into that top four 
um because over the past two seasons and um, Dlar have been they finished fifth um and I suppose to get into the top four um it'd be a goal of ours to to push in and to actually challenge I suppose the likes of peas and shells and Wexford and to just show that it there is more around in the top three kind of thing and to to push and, and open up the league a bit more um, and not make it as predictable as a, as a kind of, like, not that it is, but that there is more around than the top three, if that makes sense. Others yeah. will compete and can't compete kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely something we've talked about. Obviously, Wexford went and kind of ruined it yesterday with that win against Trude. <laughs> I didn't see many teams getting hammered or there being many big score and defeats because I think so many of the teams are getting closer. Too, as you say, those top three teams, and, and yeah. it's great. It's great, for the league. it's great for us, even I suppose, getting more competitive games every week. You know, I think sometimes in the past you go to games and you kind of go in knowing you're going to win. I know mm-hmm. that's a terrible thing to say, but it's the truth. You know, you go into yeah. a game knowing we're going to get our chances here if we take them, we'll win. But I think now every game you go into, you can take nothing for granted. And I've said this so many times, it's just it's, it can only be good for the league, which is which is great to see. Like, absolutely. When we have you on, we mentioned you were at Shells last year. You play them back in Talker Park on the 1st of May, um, yeah. maybe 10 days away from this going out. <laughs> um, any kind of uh, any kind of thoughts in your head? Maybe like, oh, I'd love to beat them. I'd love to score. I'd love to. <laughs> anyone you want to have a crack at? Well, look, I suppose it's it's going to be exciting to go back. It's going to be weird to go back. Um, obviously spent three seasons there and it's going to be weird to go back to Talca and to be in the away dressing room, um, I suppose. But I can't wait to just go. And we played during a game in pre-season um, and that was kind of the, the breaking of the ice, I suppose, for me to go back and play against them. So it's just going to, I'm going to treat it as a normal game. Um, and hopefully, look, who knows on the day we could get a win. If I score, I score. <laughs> Don't see it happen, but we'll wait and see. But look, we'll go, we'll, we'll give it our very best and look, who knows what can happen. Another assist maybe, just Possibly, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Jess Gleason, as ever, lovely to, to spend a bit of time with you and catch up with everyone and uh, what's going on down there in DLR Waves, I suppose. Uh, we better say uh, get well soon to Kate Mooney and yeah. hopefully uh, the scans come back and it's not as serious as maybe might be feared initially and hopefully we'll see you back on a pitch very very shortly that's probably the more important thing than the result really yes, at the end absolutely thanks for joining us Les. Les. thanks very much for having me guys now we've spoken a good bit about the international game recently on the show and while ireland were playing friendlies in the last two weeks northern ireland were doing something a little bit more exciting and they of course managed to seal their qualification for the european championships with a double header win in both legs a 4-1 on aggregate victory over the ukraine who of course came out of our group in qualification and we're joined by julie nelson now of the northern ireland women's football team to talk about that whole endeavor over the last two years to qualify julie first of all congratulations and welcome to the show Thanks for having me. It's how have you been? It's been, I suppose, nearly a week now at this stage since you secured that qualification. How has life been for you? Is it any different? Uh, are you walking on air for the last week? Yeah, um, you know, we're probably starting to come uh, down uh, from cloud nine, you know, uh, Ken and I. Um, but 
you know the the attention that that um our qualifications got has just been amazing um from all over northern ireland you know from people that you wouldn't have expected even to be watching football never mind a women's football game so many people seem to have watched it and it helped obviously with it being on the mainstream channel for the first time and um yeah yeah you know we've just been over the moon for the past week and i don't think it'll probably properly set in probably until maybe the draws made towards the end of the year and then obviously the build-up starts in the 2022. Yeah, talk us to the two games because obviously a wave game first, a 2-0 victory over there and then a 2-1 win last week at home with just the icing on the cake with a very, very late winner just on the night. 4-1, did you expect to, to go through first of all and did you expect to do it in the manner that you did because the Ukraine put the Republic of Ireland out of this competition? Yeah, we knew um, going into it, you know, that we were still going to be the underdogs. Um, you know, we were 25 uh, places in the world below Ukraine and we knew it was going to be a very difficult task. But I think that the fact that we had played them last March um, in the Pinotar Cup kind of helped us a bit. Um, and obviously we were able to use um, contacts. And I know our analysts spoke to the analysts um, from the Republic of Ireland, you know, to try and get some um, inside information as well. But you know, I, I suppose we, we didn't expect ourselves to win it um, kind of as convincingly as we did. Um, you know, to get a 2-1 a uh, win away from home is fantastic um, at any at any level, never mind in the European playoff. Um, and then to finish it off with a 2-0 victory last Tuesday night was just the icing on the cake. And, you know, from 1-14 to 14 that went on the pitch, you know, it was fantastic from everyone. Of course, I got the scores mixed up. They were, of course. Yeah, I've got to interrupt there. So I'll leave it to it. <laughs> in terms of, uh, in terms of the, the success though, over the last few years, of course, uh, we all know Alfie Wiley was a, a campaigner for a long, long time for women's football in the north of Ireland. Kenny Shields came in. He replaced him fairly recently. Uh, it seems to have been a masterstroke. I know it didn't quite work out in the end for Kenny down here with Derry City. I say down here in the men's league in the Republic of Ireland with Derry City. Um, but he seems to have just had the golden touch up there with yourselves? Yeah, obviously, you know, Kenny's um, record kind of speaks for itself. And yes, it probably didn't end how he had imagined, you know, at Derry City. But, you know, he brought silverware to Derry, as he has done with most other clubs that he's been with. And, you know, he took them to Europe. And when he came in with us, you know, he, he had a meeting with us at the start. And, he, you know, the two words he kind of talked about were trust and integrity. And he wanted us to be together as a squad and, you know, for it to be an open and honest environment. And I think it's kind of, Build on from there and you know you can see um everyone can see you know the spirit that we have in our squad um you know whether people players are on the pitch whether they're injured um or, or whether they don't get on the pitch you know on their on their on the subs bench um the spirit within the squad is so so um tight and i think that's that's a main part of the reason you know why kind of we've been so successful because we have that within our squad yeah, I was kind of I was kind of on to Brefney about trying to get you on because I think there's kind of a bit of a connection in terms of like yourself, you're playing in the Northern League now. I'm back playing in the Women's National League. And I think when we look at the players, I think it was six out of certain 11 play are still playing in Northern Ireland. Is, am I correct in saying that? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's like 14 out of the whole squad are still playing in Northern Ireland. So what do you feel has changed? Because I know, like, I feel like we've made huge progressions over the last couple of years, but we're still kind of coming short a little bit. And obviously you have gone and qualified. Like, where do you feel you have kind of made the changes or what do you feel kind of gave you that push to get you over the edge, like to get you over the line, should I say, and get you to those uh, European championships? Yeah, um, obviously, uh, you know, over the last kind of 12 months, it's obviously been a bit disrupted in terms of our league. You know, we, we had to have a shortened league last year. We only played from September through to December. And, 
Um, as much as that doesn't help with the clubs, I suppose it helped us in a way with the international setup because we were able to train three times a week, you know, with with Kenny and the other staff, all the home base players. And, you know, we have kind of 20 players regularly at training. You know, there's some of the under 19s are brought up as well for experience for them. And um, I suppose that helps us, you know, with Kenny's philosophy and and Dean, his son, you know, it helps us to, to get a better understanding of that and, to, you know, to work with them. Um, and then, Obviously, we had the, had our club season, which was shortened, but it's still fantastic that we were able to get a season fitted in, you know, during the middle of, of a pandemic. And um, from January then onwards, again, we were in three times a week with Kenny, um, as well as our, our club pre-season training has started back as well. So, you know, we're, we're pretty much training full time, you know, as well as obviously working full time. And um, I, I suppose just having those those consistent numbers at training week in week out as I said working with the staff and and getting a proper understanding of what they're expecting from us um really does help whenever you you go into the match environment so you you were training three times with the team and then what were you training with your clubs and obviously the league was disrupted and stuff but when you were back in pre-season were you training five days a week or was it kind of um from from January on there for example we would have trained uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, um, with the international squads and our clubs were to start started off with one day a week. Um, so on a Sunday, um, most of our clubs would train on a Sunday, um, okay. and then we had uh, two gym sessions a week as well to fit in. So you're talking, you know, six days a week basically, um, training. And were the clubs all okay with that? Was it kind of just because we knew yeah, you were so, the playoff yeah. type of thing, or yeah, yeah? So for the first for those first three months. Um, you know, my club especially, they were extremely supportive. And you, obviously, the, the main focus within that period um, was the international, you know, the playoffs for us. And my club, there's only, there was only, well, three of us involved um, in training the whole way through. You know, some of the other clubs had more players and probably were less happy with it. But I suppose it's it's a short-term thing for them, you know, and a long-term gain for us and for the women's game in Northern Ireland, If you know, if we went on to be successful. So, um, you know, yes, they were accommodating and, you know, Kenny spoke to all the coaches and, and they were happy to work with them. You're involved with the home-based squad here in the Republic of Ireland and I, I don't know the details, but you're not, you don't have three sessions a week with them, do you? No, no, we try and... It's it's once a week, but sometimes it can be disruptive. It can be kind of a, it doesn't happen kind of maybe once every three weeks nearly. Uh, I just got a, a, an email last night. We're training next Wednesday. So, look, I think we're trying to get better with that. I think the biggest issue for us is that we've got players coming from so many different counties. Like, yeah. where do you strain you? Like, where, how far are players having to travel? And are uh, they getting expenses? How does it work with that? We train um, just uh, about 35 miles outside of Belfast um so it's it's kind of central you know within northern ireland and, and it helps you know everybody get to those sessions but i mean one of the girls she comes from enniskillen which is a good kind of hour and a half uh, drive um and she comes up to, to all the sessions um as well so you know you, you get the buy-in from the players but yes it's it's slightly easier um with us because we're obviously slightly closer together than than you would be down there um but when our when our league season starts here um, we start next Wednesday. Um, our league starts. We will be in every Saturday just with with the international squad. So we'll be training twice a week with our clubs plus the the game because we play um, Wednesday nights. We play our games. Okay. Um, and then we'll be in Saturday morning training with with the international squad, and that'll be the build up then into the next camp. And just to go back to that the travel issue, you mentioned girls coming from Enniskillen. How many are coming from Enniskillen? Just one, any coming from Derry or Coleraine or anywhere up around that side of the country that have a fairly yeah. long trek as well? Yeah, well, there's only one comes from Enniskillen and, you know, it takes me kind of 
40 minutes to get there from Belfast. So everybody's kind of doing a, a 40 minute journey, you know, um, roughly there's nobody really lives close to, to your training facility. Um, you know, so most people are doing, you're talking, it's at least half an hour, but more likely to 40 to 45 minutes, you know, there and back. So you're leaving your house. Like I leave my house just after six and I'm not getting back to probably at least 10 o'clock at night, um, you know, for those. So, it, it, you know, it's, it's long enough. In terms of the practical benefits of it, though, uh, having that kind of club feel to the international side, um, you've been involved in a lot of these campaigns over the years. Um, is it an improvement? Has it added to the, I suppose, the camaraderie and the, the feeling between the, the squad and the bonding between the squad? Yeah, definitely. You know, we're, we're all really good friends now. And, you know, we do feel like a like a club side, um, you know, especially obviously all the ones that are training at home. But we still keep in contact with the players that are based, you know, overseas in England and Scotland as well. And a lot of the players have been in the squad for, you know, a considerable length of time. And, you know, I think that also helps that we have quite a lot of experienced players now that have all played together for many years. In terms of the actual makeup of the league up there, because um, we probably don't know that much about maybe the main teams and and how many teams play, how many games a season. What is the makeup of the actual the top division in the north? So our top league now only has six teams in it. Um, five of the teams are partnered with men's clubs, um, and only Cyan Swifts are independently um, are a standalone you know club. Uh, so I play for Crusaders Strikers, um, obviously partner with Crusaders men. There's uh, Glen Torren ladies, Cliftonville ladies, and Derry City um, as well, and Linfield. So they're kind of it's kind of you know um, well five obviously partnered partner with the men's clubs, and you know our club is quite well supported in terms of we play our games at Seaview, we train at Seaview, um, and you know, in within the last um, year. We've, you know, we used to have to pay for a kit basically, or have to get sponsorship each year. Um, so thankfully now we don't have to do that. Um, and that's only that's only happened um, within the last year, as I say, because previously we would have had to, you know, ask for some for somebody to sponsor us um, as a player or pay the money yourself, you know, for your, for your kit. Um, but it's, you know, we're all amateurs up here, and I know um, Linfield pay some expenses to their players, but no, none of the other clubs. Um, Pay their players at the moment and um you know everybody's just amateurs as i say yeah it's similar to here actually we used to have to pay 500 euro kind of to cover yourself for the year for your kit and everything else and this is the first season that it's actually being paid for for us yeah. so it's a huge help like even just the club themselves would have to be getting players to go out and get sponsors because some of the players just aren't bothered you know, like on the way so it's yeah. a huge for off even the club's shoulders as well as the players to be able to have that as well so i think for us that's definitely one step in the right direction again you know and I think w when you have sponsors coming in and sponsoring the league as well that helps too so like, hopefully we'll be able to kind of get there do you think in terms of of the Northern League do you think you're close to getting to maybe semi-professional or are you still a good bit off that? Uh, I think we're still probably a, a few years off that I would say um there's talks going on at the moment about developing a, a PFA up here and um the women's game hopefully is going to be a part of that and I think that'll help Take, help us take steps forward in terms of getting contracts and that kind of thing because at the minute players aren't, aren't contracted at the clubs here so you just sign a registration form um, and then you're free to move within the transfer window so the transfer window is open for the first few weeks of the season so if, if you start playing with a club and decide oh I don't like this here you can just change without any problems you know um, so I think you know with the PFA hopefully being founded that'll help kind of professionalize things a little bit and 
um but we still need more investment you know um for us to be able to go semi-professional because as i say most of the clubs don't pay players any money at all um so yeah probably a year or two at least away from that yeah in terms of the qualification for the european championships and the attention that that's going to bring you've already talked about this was the last week or so and, and the amount of attention it's already brought but in the build-up to the championships and throughout the competition itself next summer it's going to be it's going to be fairly intense on you and uh, win lose or draw just to be there is that going to help the league and the profile of the sport in the yeah the- i think that will help uh, massively you know i'm sure there's plenty of businesses that will be be willing to get behind us and support us you know it, it's definitely um helped to unite the country and you know we've had support as i say from from all over and um I, i'm sure there'll be plenty of businesses that, that will be be hoping to support us you know there's uh, the big sponsor in in the league up here is the danska bank um and then electric ireland would be the main sponsors who help um with the development program and and sponsor us then as a senior team as well but i think definitely we need we need more help and and more sponsorship and hopefully the spotlight with us now obviously haven't qualified and then as you say in the build-up to the tournament next year that that can we can help capitalize on that and there'll be more money to invest in the women's game which is yeah, definitely qualifying will help that as well putting you out there and everybody can see obviously how good you're playing those games as well so Hopefully that'll happen and hopefully we can follow suit. So, yeah. <laughs> Julie, in terms of your own role, you mentioned you're back uh, with Crusaders, but obviously you've played abroad as well. No more than Steph, you've had your, your dalliances uh, abroad in, in the UK mainly. Uh, what's been your biggest learning coming back to this environment and that kind of part-time, twice-a-week training environment from maybe a more professional setup abroad? Yeah, I suppose initially it was hard to adapt, you know, and I had to try and, you know, not let myself get frustrated because... You know, you, you can't be too hard on players. As I say, they're amateur players, you know, and they're giving up their time to be there and they're, they're doing their best, you know. And, and yes, obviously you want them to, to be better or to apply themselves better, but, you know, they're giving up their time to do something that they enjoy doing. And, and that's kind of, it's taken me a while. You know, maybe it took me at least the first season anyway to to kind of adjust to that and, and to remember that that was, you know, the, the reason those players are playing is first and foremost for the love of the game and they're not getting paid any money to do it. Yeah, and of course, there's also a huge, well, not huge, maybe, but there's definitely a, a, a crossover between playing pools. I know, um, if, well, I don't know if she's current or former uh, senior international up there, Catherine Heinemann's with Athlone Town this year um, in, in our league down here. And I know Grace Murray has played in the league. Tyler Toland has played in the league with Science Swifts. Grace Murray's been Newry City, maybe in the second division. I'm not quite sure what division they're in. Um, so there's been a huge turnover. Is, is that... Are players up there aware of, of the league down south? And and do you know maybe the, the teams or the personalities or is it very separate? Because we wouldn't have much of an understanding of what's happening north of the border. Yeah, we, w- we wouldn't be overly aware, to be honest. You know, you're, you're aware of, you know, some of the more successful sides, obviously, because, you know, some of us have played each other in Europe over the years. But, um, yeah, we, yeah, we wouldn't have an in-depth knowledge of, of all the teams and you know kind of their background or who played for them um as you say the same as you know you wouldn't be aware of, of who was playing where up here yeah i'd be the same in terms of that i just i know players like i obviously knew you play for crusaders and a couple of the other girls only through instagram really or through yeah, social media i'd see who do you play for but other than that I, I wouldn't really have free reign to watch the games or anything like that or seeing kind of much on the league itself yeah, I think I'm going to show my age and say, for me, with strikers, we're new to Naby strike, strikers. Uh, it's probably been a while since that's been the case up there. Yeah. 
Uh, Julie, listen, thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations again. It's a huge achievement to you and your teammates. I know you you were involved in one of the goals in the second game. At least I watched the highlights of the game and it was uh, great to see kind of taking on the bigger ranked nations and beating them. Uh, it's maybe something we need to get a little bit of inspiration and maybe learn a few lessons from down here. If we could do the same, we'd be happy to. Best luck in the championships and everything that happens between now and then as well. But thanks for joining us and uh, best luck in the start of the league next, next week. Thanks for having me. Congrats, Jules. See you later. Steph, any little pangs of jealousy there at all as she's talking about the next 12 months ahead of her and her teammates? Yeah, look, I think we all know that it could have been us. Obviously, if we had to beat the Ukraine or even got a draw away, we would have been the, the playoff against Northern Ireland. And look, it's great to see them doing it. It's great to see the small kind of nation like ourselves qualifying for the European Championships. And, and obviously, you'd like to see them there ahead of Ukraine. But yeah, definitely it's... It's tough to take, especially, as I said, the squad we have and, and how close we came. But hopefully it'll come soon for us. And of course, uh, if you want to take it on the other side of it, it's also a nice inspiration that maybe that's not that far away in the future for uh, our girls as well. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, moving on, we do have the small matter of four Women's National League games taking place this weekend. And we start with your own fixture. That's top of the list. Uh, Bohemians versus Piemont United. You'll be playing over there in the Oscar Trainer Centre in Kulak. Uh, Bahamians have been impressive enough so far this season. They've found, definitely know where the back of the net is. Uh, they've scored an absolute ton of goals. Uh, in terms of y- yourselves, uh, you'd be hoping maybe to, to keep your good form going, 100% record so far? Yeah, look, I think we had Neve on, and it's funny because she said that they want to kind of try and get goals and get a goal scorer and go and try and beat teams. And in fairness, they've, as you said, been on the season so far. Uh, we obviously started the season with two very tough games, Wexford and Shells, and and we play Bows in preseason as well. And Bows are a very good team, you know. So it's it's going to be a, a big test for us. I think it's not going to be an easy game. I think I've said this several times. I don't think any game this season is going to be easy. But uh, looking forward to the game and and just looking forward to to playing against Bows again and, and hopefully getting those three points. Uh, first team looking for their first victory of the season. Cork City Turners Cross again this weekend. DLR Waves in town. Uh, they had a nice last-minute winner last week. They'll be hoping maybe to continue their form. Cork, as we mentioned, looking to get off the mark for the first time. Yeah, I think that's going to be a good game. I think it'll be exciting. Um, I think Cork, and fairness to them, as we said last, we said we've been talking about them quite a bit and bigging them up. And it probably hasn't got going for them the way they would have liked. So I'm sure they'd be looking to try and get as you say, their first win and, and DLR will be full of confidence coming in after that last minute winner. And, and I think, as we said before, they're a very solid team and I think they'll be dangerous this year for everybody. I don't think they'll be going anywhere kind of wanting to just get draws or, or hoping to sit and defend. They'll go and attack and want to win the game. So I think it will be a very exciting game between Cork and DLR. Yeah, they might be struggling to score at the front end, but they're definitely fairly mean at the back uh, in terms of what they've been up to so far this year. So interesting to see how that game plays out. Uh, Terryland Park, I keep saying that. I apologise. <laughs> Amy uh, is the venue for the two Western sides, Galway Women's and Treaty United. They do battle. Treaty looking maybe to restore a bit of pride after last week's beat, beating at the hands of Wexford? Yeah, definitely. And I think, look, we spoke about Treaty. They're a young side. They're... They're trying to play the right side of football and they're trying to do the right things. And, and Galway are going to be coming into the game obviously disappointed to lose out to that last-minute winner against DLR as well. So, again, hopefully another exciting game. Um, I can see it maybe being a draw, but I think Galway might just have a little bit too much for, for Treaty today, or this weekend. Of course, Rachel Kern's on fine form as well. Uh, five goals so far this season. Uh, will she be on the score sheet on Sunday or Saturday? Time will tell. Someone who is 
hot on her heels on that particular co competition, hadn't opened her account seven days ago, now has four to her name. Ella Malloy, uh, she's in action at home uh, with her Wexford youth side to Athlone Town. Um, that should be a decent enough game too. Athlone seem fairly um, able to find the back of the net themselves, so you'd expect them to really give a good crack uh, at Wexford at the weekend. Yeah, I think when they played them last season as well, they gave them a very good game. Um, obviously, Ellen Malloy going in full of confidence. I think we've, we've spoke about Ellen quite a few times. She's a, a fantastic young player. Um, I would fear for Atlone slightly just going into Wexford now with them flying in confidence and getting all the goals they did get last season. So I would say Atlone are going to need to be really on their best. Uh, they're going to have to give their best performance to maybe get something from the game. It's going to be a tough one for them. Um, but I do think Wexford will probably come out on top in that game. Yeah, it was 1-0 in the only game they played last year. That game played in Athlone. Ashling Frawley with a late goal. Uh, Wexford left it late. They will be hoping they'll be put things to bed a little bit earlier this time around. Shells, of course, not in action this weekend. They are currently sit on top of the table, albeit on goal difference uh, from Piemont United. Both teams on six points. Piemont with just those two games played so far. Back in, I suppose, a tie for third place, effectively. Wexford Youths, Bowes, Galway and DLR all on four points from their opening three games. DLR with only two played in the competition so far. Cork City still waiting their first win, two points from their three games, while Athlone and Treaty have one point each from their opening two and three games, respectively. It's a bit weird when you've got uh, nine teams. There's always that odd number of players, teams who play the game extra. Uh, it makes it a little bit less um, simple to just kind of look at the league table and say, oh, they're ahead, because essentially it's advantage Piemont at the top because... You've played one game less. It's advantage DLR, even though they're behind on goal difference, they've played a game less than the teams that they're on four points with. So um, all that needs to be taken into consideration when you look at the league table. Steph, great to have you back in the hot seat again this week after uh, Maeve de Burke filled in for you while you're on your Champions League duty. That's allowed. Uh, thank you so much to Jess Gleason of DLR Waves and also to Julie Nelson of the Northern Ireland ladies football team. Fantastic to have them on after their qualification for the European Championships next year. We might keep in touch with them through the next 12 months as they prepare for that championship. Steph, uh, you're in action again this week. It's a Kulak for you on Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening. You're playing Bohemians up there in the Oscar Trainer Centre. The best of luck to you and your teammates and to everybody playing in the league this week. Of course, you can catch this show on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we'd love to have you here week in, week out. So don't forget to hit that subscribe button or follow us on any of the podcast platforms. We'll be back with you next week. Talk to you then.